what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. Let me tell you something today. Our nation today is not great because of this political party or that political party. Our nation is great today because, number one, we stand with Israel. Number two, our greatest export is still the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me please to the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, and move down to verse 11 if you will. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and gather his wheat into the garner, but he shall burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I want to use for a subject this morning, the man with the fan in his hand. As we've stated several times in this series of messages. Right before Jesus came on the scene the first time, Israel was more educated in the Word of God than they had ever been. They knew that their Messiah was near at hand. They knew that the Messiah would lead Israel back to a place of supremacy and leadership in the world. And they weren't off with that by much, but they did not address the sin issue. And that was the reason why the Messiah would come. You see, until the sin issue is addressed, there can be no leadership. There can be no restoration or growth or anything of that nature. Sin has to be addressed, but Israel did not address the sin issue, and I'm afraid today the church is still not addressing the sin issue. And let me tell you today, if there's going to be any revival, if there's going to be any church growth, sin has to be addressed. And God called a man by the name of John the Baptist. His primary message was repent, turn from sin, turn from your wicked ways. The message of repentance had to be preached before Jesus came the first time. And I submit to you today that that same message of repentance will have to be preached today in this hour before Jesus comes the second time. 
God, give us preachers today with the backbone of a Texas saw log that will deal with sin. But the church doesn't want to deal with sin today because that offends people and it's just too old-fashioned. Well, you call it whatever you want to call it. But like I said, until sin is addressed, there can be no growth. There can be no restoration. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As I said, Israel was expecting the Messiah to step on the scene. But I don't think they realized just how close His coming was. They did not realize it, but standing in their very midst that day of hundreds of thousands who had gathered there to be baptized of John and to hear him preach, stood the one for whom they were looking for, the Lord Jesus Christ. He stood there in their very midst, waiting to be announced. Here we are today. 2,000 years later, and I don't think we realize just how close we are to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The rapture of the church. Jesus stands even at the door today waiting for that announcement from God the Father to say, Go and get my children and bring them home. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, God intended for Israel to be the leading nation of the world. Now, what exactly do I mean by that? It's not that God wanted Israel to be in such a position to lord it over the rest of the nations of the world and be you do as I say do and whatever the case. No, it was, actually it was quite the opposite of that. It was God's intention for Israel to be the leading nation in this way. To lead the rest of the nations of the world to Jesus Christ. And I want you to look, if you look through Israel's history, you will notice that as long as Israel followed the Word of God, and obeyed the word of God, the blessings of God was upon Israel. She was blessed beyond measure. But yet when she left the word of God, she was overcome by her enemies. It is the exact same way today. Every nation whose God is the Lord, if they hold to this book, God will bless and America is founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Let me read this to you. In May of 1787, a group of 56 delegates met in Philadelphia to pen a constitution of government for our new republic. After several weeks of deliberations... An irreparable dissension broke out between the larger states and the smaller. Some of the delegates were so disgusted that they walked out. Eighty-one-year-old Benjamin Franklin stood to his feet and said, Gentlemen, in the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, 
when we were sensible of dangers, we had daily prayer in this room for the divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. Have we now forgotten that powerful friend? Or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire can rise without his aid. We have been assured, sir, in this sacred writings, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business, and that one or more of the clergy of this city be requested to officiate in that service. No one can deny that many of the founding fathers of the United States of America were men of deep religious convictions based on the Bible and their Christian faith in Jesus Christ. Twenty-four of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence held a seminary or Bible school degree. And as long as our nation follows the Word of God, we will be blessed. But I'm afraid today we are leaving that. In the mid 1850s, Tocqueville, one of the great French philosophers, came to the shores of this country looking, seeking, searching, trying to find what made our nation so great. He visited our institutions, educational institutions. He visited our factories. He visited the hallowed halls of Congress and still could not find what made this country so great. It wasn't until he visited America's churches and heard preachers calling men to righteousness that he found out what made this country so great. And when he left, he made this statement, America is great because America is good. And when America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Let me tell you something today. Our nation today is not great because of Donald Trump. It's not great today because of this political party or that political party. Our nation is great today because, number one, we stand with Israel. Number two, our greatest export is still the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the reason why the blessings are upon our nation. But when we turn our back on Israel, when we stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ... My friends, we have just put the nail in the coffin. There is a great harvest 
that is coming. Jesus told the disciples, Dana, if you will put it up on the screen, Matthew 9, verse 37. He said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Look there at verse 37 once again. He said, the harvest truly is plenteous. He didn't say the harvest was pitiful. God help our churches today. What we see in our churches today is just pitiful. It's pitiful. But oh, let me tell you, there's a harvest coming that is going to be plentiful. I said it's going to be plentiful. And now how do you know it's going to be plentiful, Brother James? Because, Dana, if you will, go to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 and verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. And we're living in the last days right now. He said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, upon Jews, upon Gentiles, all flesh. That means that, that he's going to pour it out not only on Pentecostal folks, but on Baptist folks. He's going to pour it out on Methodist folks. He's going to pour it out on non-denominational people. He's going to pour it out on all flesh. It is for all flesh. He said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What is prophesying? It's preaching the word of God. And all of this is because of the moving of the Spirit in these last days. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out in, the, in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right before the great tribulation period begins, there's going to be an outpouring of God's Spirit upon all those who are seeking it and upon all of those who want it. But you poor folks that don't want it, you just sit right there like a knot on the log and say, well, Brother James, I just don't believe it. Well, fine, you just sit right there and don't believe it. You're just going to get left out. But God's going to pour out His Spirit. And there's going to be a great harvest coming. And John the Baptist preached it. He preached it before Jesus came the first time. And it's going to have to be preached again before he comes the second time. The baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. John said that there's one coming after me that's mightier than I am. And he shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Jesus told the disciples in Acts 1. Verse 8, he said, you shall receive 
power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. What does that mean? It simply means this. Without the baptism and the Holy Ghost and fire, you just ain't going to get nothing done. You're wasting your time. You need it. And it's not something that automatically happens to you. You've got to ask for it. Allow the man with the fan in his hand to blow upon your heart and life today. That's what the disciples did. They were in that upper room, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Oh, good grace of mercy. Well, that's a miracle right there. If you can just get a bunch of people to come together in one place and they all be in one accord. That's a miracle right there. <laughs> they were all gathered together in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. What is that? That's the man with the fan in his hand. Oh, good gracious. What are you doing? I'm doing what Jesus is doing. If y'all can see him this morning, he's, he's, he's blowing that fan, but some of you are resisting it. He told Israel, he said, you stiff neck, you're always resisting the Holy Ghost. I can't stand up here and do it. I'll give out too fast. But the Lord's not limited. He's constantly, he's got that fan going. Glory to God. And as hot as it is, boy, we need some fans going. Some of you are scared. You don't want that fan blowing. It might mess up your hair, do. Brother James, I just got my hair did, and I don't want it. Brother James, if I get that baptism of the Holy Ghost like you're talking about, then this mascara just come running all down my face and... Oh, he'll get a hold of your heart. He'll get a hold of your life. Sometimes he makes you so happy you feel like you're going to bust. And other times you feel like you're hanging on a rotten stick over the fires of hell and the tears is just streaming. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Let him blow on your life. All right. The harvest that is coming. Listen to me now. The harvest that is coming will depend upon your attitude, number one, as it pertains to the finished work of Christ. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is able to set a drug addict free? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is able to set an alcoholic free? Oh, okay, well, I can believe that, Brother James. Well, if a homosexual come in this church and sit down back there, do you believe that what Jesus did at Calvary can set them free from that sin that's in their life? And are you willing to accept them? Your attitude as it pertains to the finished work of Christ is going to play a part in this, number one. Number two, your attitude toward the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire, that's also going to see because without the baptism in the Holy Ghost, there's no power. There's no fire. And let me tell you something, when there ain't no fire in the church, it's lukewarm. And you know what Jesus said about the church in Laodicea, it ain't got no fire. 
He said, I reject you. you. You make me sick to my stomach. I'll vomit you out. And God forbid that friendship church be that way. I pray, God, that you'll accept the Holy Ghost and get the Holy Ghost in your heart and like get a fire in your bones to where you go out and tell everybody you see about the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Luke 3, verse 17. He talked about the man with the fan in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor, gather the wheat into the garner, and the chaff he'll burn with fire unquenchable. John the Baptist preached sanctification. Well, what has all that got to do with sanctification? Back in those days, they didn't have combines where they could get on and ride through the field and harvest the, the wheat. They had to go out there and cut the wheat by hand and then bring it to a place called the threshing floor. And that threshing floor is where they would beat that wheat. It would be on the ground and the animals would trample on it or some other device would roll across it. And the purpose was to break that wheat loose from the chaff, to break it loose from the hull, if you will. And... Some would take some forks and pick it up and throw it up in the air while someone else stood over there to the side with the fan going, trying to blow the chaff away from the wheat. And the good part would fall back down to the floor and the chaff would get blowed out the windows or whatever the case. That was the process. It was a violent process. And why was it such a violent process? Because some of that wheat wanted to cling real tight to the chaff and cling real tight to the hull. It didn't want to break loose. It didn't want to come out. And as some of you under the sound of my voice today, you're wondering, you wonder why is it so hard? Brother James, I got saved and it's everything in the world is just coming against me. Maybe you're holding on too tight to the world. You're holding on too tight to the chaff. You're holding on too tight to the hull, the flesh. And God is trying to break out that which is good. And let me tell you, He knows how much pressure to apply. He knows how much you need to be thrown up. Some of you, your Christian experience is up and down. Up and down. What is that? That's the sanctification process. You're in God's threshing floor. And this sanctification process will continue in your heart and life until He calls you home. What is that? That's when He gathers you into His garner. So as long as you are living in this world, there's still some chaff and some hull that needs to be removed. It's a violent process. And some won't make it. What do you mean, Brother James? Let's look at Simon Peter for a moment. The Lord told Simon Peter last supper, they're just sitting there eating. 
the Lord looks at Simon Peter and says, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. See, in this process of sanctification, God's out to get the good. But understand, in this process, Satan is also out to destroy. What do you mean? Well, in this process of the threshing floor, sometimes the wheat would get crushed to where it was unfit, couldn't be used. But you need to understand this, unless God applies the pressure to your life, unless He applies that up and down experience in your life, unless the fire is involved, then that good that God knows is there will never be loosed. But Satan wants to destroy. But here's the thing. The Lord told Simon Peter, He said, I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. That's your key. That's your key. We're all in that threshing floor experience of sanctification. Let me tell you, He's going to thoroughly purge his floor and if you'll keep the faith if your faith will fail not the Lord will work in your life and he'll bring out that good that good part that he knows is there let the man with the fan in his hand do what he needs to do within your heart and life If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to establishinthefaith.com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMET community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. (music) 